Welcome to the Healthy Ever After podcast. The body is not designed for sickness. It's designed for full, robust health and vitality. Learn how you can live healthy ever after at restoration-health.ca. And now, here's your host, certified holistic nutrition consultant, Patty Fleury. Hello and welcome everyone. This is Patty Fleury from Restoration Health. I am a certified holistic nutrition consultant and this is part of my series called Healthy Ever After. In this series, I'm talking to people who have chosen an alternative and holistic path to achieve health. My guests are addressing some of their health issues naturally and they are living vibrant, robust, healthy lives and I'm hoping their stories will inspire you to reclaim your health. I'm very excited about my guest today because she's bringing a parent's perspective and I know there are many parents out there who are going to appreciate hearing her story. So Shelly is a nurse by training and she's here to talk to us today about some of her son's health challenges. So Luke had a variety of symptoms from a very early age. Shelly said she can remember he was treated for asthma as early as one and a half years old um, and he would sometimes get rashes that she could attribute on occasion to certain foods. But when Luke was about three or four, Shelley said she started to notice some unusual and odd behaviors. So some bizarre, hyperactive type behavior, talking super fast, jerky physical movements. She said it was almost like her son had been given speed. She paid close attention and she started to notice a connection with food coloring, a specifically blue dye. And she said her suspicions were confirmed one day when Luke started exhibiting these unusual behaviors after eating a bubblegum flavored ice cream cone. So Shelley broached this subject with her family doctor, but it was brushed off and not really taken seriously. This is always a surprise to me because who better than the mother knows her child? And when mom is making connections, I'm not sure how medical practitioners can discount this. But because the doctor didn't necessarily buy into the idea of diet being a factor, Shelley was ultimately referred to a variety of doctors, specialists, therapists, and she and Luke attended appointment after appointment. And at one point in time, there was even a discussion that Luke potentially had a syndrome called PANS, Pediatric Acute Onset Neuropsychiatric Syndrome. This is a severe psychiatric diagnosis. But in the background, Shelley continued to do some research regarding Luke's ongoing symptoms. So things like some mouse sores, anxiety, OCD-like tendencies, stomach issues, strep throat type infections. And she ultimately became convinced that the symptoms were due to food sensitivities and that she really needed to follow her own intuition. Unfortunately, Shelley's story is not uncommon. I think many parents run into this situation time and time again, and our traditional Western medical model does not tend to recognize food sensitivities as an actual diagnosis. Unless it's a bona fide allergy, it's not acknowledged as a risk to health. And yet in the alternative, holistic world of healthcare, we know food sensitivities can wreak havoc in the body. That's why today's talk is going to be so enlightening. And I am super excited to hear more about Shelley's journey, how her son is doing, and what advice she has to give us today. So welcome, Shelley. Thank you. So glad you're here today, and I appreciate you sharing not only your time, but your story. So I'm wondering if you can start, um, because I think there's a lot of parents out there listening, and I'd like to start by hearing a little bit more about some of those symptoms you noticed in Luke at an early age, and how you saw that progressing over time. So as you mentioned, I, from an early age, noticed that Luke was having um, some hyperactive behaviors, um, some things that kids or people might question as ADHD. Um, he also had some uh, shortness of breath on occasion, usually with a cold or a flu. Um, they treated it with as like it was asthma. Um, he was having some rashes, different things right from an early age. And so I always kind of watched him quite closely. I was puzzled. He's my only child. So I was able to keep close eyes on him and I was puzzled as to what was causing this, especially when so many of his other friends and, and other children his age weren't having these problems. 
Um, so I started to notice the first thing would have been rashes, that it was sometimes attributed to food, other times not. When I'd go to the doctor, when he presented with a rash, they would often just tell me, oh well, uh, we don't really know, it could be a combination of things and they'd send me on my way. Meanwhile, as my child's getting rashes, I'm getting more frustrated. Um, in terms of his hyperactive behavior, he was um, a pretty active little boy, but there were episodes where he would become extremely, as you said, behaving strange and almost like he'd been given speed. And so um, because it was such a dramatic change in his behavior, I started to look for what on earth could have caused it. Mm -hmm. And I started to notice, as you said, um, food dyes. So started to notice that um, the one outlier in his diet that day would have been something with a heavy dose of food coloring. So I started to attribute it to that um, and learned early on in my son's life that doctors didn't really want to hear about uh, food as a cause for behaviors, food as a cause for symptoms. And my son over the years has uh, struggled and continued to struggle with um, varying degrees of what would be called probably an ADHD or an ADD as well as uh, OCD and some mood issues, all of um, which of varying degrees have um, been able to improve with diet and supplements. Yep. So I'm just curious, were you getting feedback at all once he got into things like preschool and kindergarten and, and grade one? Were you getting feedback from any of the teachers regarding some of these issues? Interestingly, the schools gave me varying reports. So my son also has a he's a very bright fellow and has a very kind and gentle personality to mm -hmm. go along with his behavior. So I think he escaped uh, being, particularly with the ADHD, he, he didn't present typical for that. Mm -hmm. um, and nor, you know, nor does he really have an ADHD um, per se, but um, behaviors that seem to present that way. The only thing that's been mentioned about my son throughout his school is a high anxiety. Ah, uh, yeah. okay. So being a nurse and coming from that real mm -hmm. traditional sort of Western medical model, what on earth kind of led you down the path of considering something other than, you know, I guess just the fact that this is who my son is. What made you look deeper? That's a great question. I think a couple things. One, my personality. I like to know everything about everything. And for better or for worse, I think possibly a bit of a perfectionist in the sense that my son, I wanted him to have the best possible life and noticed that he was struggling in certain areas and it bothered me. And because when I talked to medical professionals, everything got shrugged off, mm -hmm. I decided that I needed to do my own research. Yeah. So kudos to you because I think once again, um, I, I'm often fond of saying that doctors don't necessarily know everything. Mm -hmm. They're not walking in your shoes mm -hmm. and they don't know your child the way you know your child. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for you to go ahead and do that, I mean, I, I think that takes a tremendous amount of bravery and courage. So you talk to your doctor, he mm -hmm. kind of dismisses your concerns, mm -hmm. but you know you're onto something mm -hmm. and you continue to do research and you eventually find out that food coloring has been banned in certain countries mm -hmm. because of the problems. You know, in fact, we know that food coloring, so the red, the blue and yellow are linked to things like ADHD, allergies, anxiety, even asthma. So some of those exact symptoms you're seeing in Luke. Mm -hmm. So you know you're onto something and you also start to notice that Luke tends to do better with the less refined and processed food that he eats. So what do you do? How do you go about adjusting and adapting his diet? So early on, I think that the, the thing again I noticed quite quickly was additives and food coloring. So I started to remove those from his diet as much as possible. Of course, of course he goes to birthday parties and over at friends and he'd come home and um, have varying degrees of behavioral issues. Uh, so I could quite easily remove the, the food coloring and additives from his diet um, with 
plenty of eye rolling from my family even, my mother and my sister, um, until they actually observed some of his behavior after ingesting this. And then they were a little bit more on board. My son, as he got older, his... He became more anxious and his um, OCD tendencies became more extreme until at one point he had quite an extreme OCD episode, which is where the pandas came in. And so that is a a sudden onset type of uh, diagnosis where uh, kids will present as pretty much fine one day and extreme obsessive compulsive and other behaviors the next. So... Uh, We went through some medical treatments for that. Even that back then was not very mainstream or considered very mainstream. So we never received a diagnosis confirming that or denying it. Um, But to me, it didn't matter because what I chose to do in the absence of any medical professionals being able to help me, and we're talking GP, psychiatrist, psychology assessments, um, psychoeducational assessments, uh, psychotherapy, um, all of which helped to varying degrees to to not at all. Um, I decided to do my own research and started to um, look good mother's intuition. I think I knew there was something with his diet. And so as you um, can't find help with the mainstream medical system, you start to look at alternative issues or alternative uh, options. Sorry. Yeah. And so as I did more and more reading, more and more research, on the internet, in the bookstore, um, I started to recognize that a lot of medical professionals, not just uh, the outliers, but a lot of... um, More mainstream. Yeah, what we would call mainstream, traditional, Harvard-educated, whatever uh, makes you feel better, right, in Mm -hmm. terms of education level um, and and mainstream education. Yeah, I started to notice a lot of them were uh, talking about food. And so as I watched my son closer, I started to notice, yes, he has a strange obsession with um, bread, white bread. He would eat it, uh, again, this sounds so funny, but it was like it was cocaine. Uh, When the white bread would come out, he would get a crazed look on his face and eat it and eat it and eat it and and get increasingly odd behavior the more he ate. You mentioned that sometimes when he was eating gluten, you would even see these sort of explosive anger outbursts, which was mm-hmm. really not typical for this young man, as you mm-hmm. said, who had this really gentle, easygoing personality. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, as he got older, and I'm going to say probably from grade five to seven, I started to notice, yeah, definitely a personality change along with this, um, again, sort of it was around grade five where we started to notice Um, that more extreme OCD behavior. Um, And that's what I I label it as because it makes it easier to have a label, but it was, it's it's definitely a bit of an OCD anxiety. Um, As I started to notice his, yeah, he was increasing mouth sores, um, increasing anger issues, and it wasn't even so much that I could see a clear reaction between he had bread one day Hence, he's having an anger outburst. Um, I think because he had been eating gluten for so long and so frequently. I don't know that um, if you eat gluten, I think most of us would eat gluten. If we're not on a gluten-free diet, we'd probably eat it at least once a day, if not two, two to three times a day. Yep. So it wasn't even so much, I think because he was so immersed in, in eating gluten, I don't know that I was able to necessarily say, oh, he had bread this morning and an immediate reaction. It was more based on reading, based on a friend I knew that had celiacs and how she described how she felt um, when she had to ingest gluten for some testing they were going to do um, after not eating it for a long time. So things like that, I started to wonder if gluten was the factor. So it wasn't until I actually removed gluten entirely from my son's diet that I was able to discover that that was a big culprit in his extreme mood sh- mood shifts, so the anger. Yes, he was starting to have anger outbursts, um, and 
like a depression almost. Um, And so I was at wit's end and I chose to remove gluten entirely from his diet. Yeah. You you mentioned, because you already sort of said, you know, you were getting eye rolls from, you know, Mm -hmm. some family members. Obviously your own family doctor wasn't necessarily buying into this. Not at all. I know you said you thought about eliminating gluten for a long time, Mm -hmm. but just, you know, couldn't quite make that shift. And then it was a book that you read um, called The Ultra Mind Solution Mm -hmm. by Mark Hyman. Mm -hmm. And this sort of really solidified, I think, what you were seeing and what you were thinking. And and so this, then you made the decision to eliminate gluten completely from Luke's diet. So how, how do you do that with a child who, as you say, was maybe eating gluten multiple times a day? How do you make that switch? And how do you get the buy-in from family members and such? Yes, and even my husband was um, one of the eye rollers. And so on the one hand, he paid lip service to my idea. On the other hand, would poo-poo it if we were going out for pizza or um, or if we were out of gluten-free bread. He would, you know, make a sandwich with um, regular bread. Sure. So, yes. So how did I do that? Uh, you know, I think... The first thing was I was I was really desperate actually. Mm. I was so tired of my poor son having to feel this way. And I was after reading this book, after um just observing the things that I've already talked about that I observed, mm. after hearing some other friends, some other stories, I thought, you know, I have got to try this. It's it's going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. So I decided, yeah, you're right, I had tried to remove gluten from his diet before, haphazardly. So yeah, we're going to go gluten-free today, but tomorrow we're going out for pizza with the hockey team. So we'll have pizza. I don't want to be one of those parents um, <laughs> that has, you know, a gluten-free, dairy-free, egg-free for my son. Mm-hmm. Um, so so this was the first time I thought, you know what, this is we're just going to do an experiment here. So we kind of sequestered ourselves for about two weeks. Um, I bought a whole bunch of gluten-free products. And I don't know if it's the time I was in. This was probably about 10 years ago. Or if it was just my lack of knowledge. But I spent a lot of time even in the grocery store uh, looking, scouring for gluten-free products. Because my knowledge was so limited as to what was gluten-free and what was not gluten-free. And so having to read every package ingredient and having to recognize what products um, that have gluten that I might not um, be aware of. So those first few weeks and months of gluten-free diet was a lot of work and Mm. a lot of time at a grocery store reading labels, um, cross-checking it with information I had about what contains gluten and what doesn't. Um, Because that that can be tough because gluten is insidious in pretty much every packaged product that you find in the grocery store today. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only would it contain gluten, but it would contain hidden MSG, another really damaging Mm. toxin and additive, food coloring, you know, all those things that you're trying to avoid. So Mm -hmm. I can see that that's a daunting task Mm -hmm. for sure. And sequestering yourself, I think makes a lot of sense because how else do you control a diet in a grade schooler, right? I mean, it's really tough. So you make this decision, you sequester yourself, you spend a tremendous amount of time. Mm -hmm. And what do you see in return? So we probably were into it about two weeks. And I did my best to make the meals appealing. And and honestly, it was not that hard in the sense that he could have meat, he could have rice, he could have all kinds of vegetables, and so on and so on. So after about two weeks, my son was not even aware that I had done this. He was about grade five, I'm going to say at the time. He wasn't aware that I had done this. And though I had tried to get him on gluten-free before, so he knew the concept because we talked about this before, had him on gluten-free, but really haphazard. So he was aware of the concept, didn't tell him I was doing it. After about two weeks, I happened to 
mention it to somebody else. He overheard me talking and came up to me and said, Mom, have you had me on a gluten-free diet for the last while? And I said, yes, I have. I'm feeling a bit guilty that I had tricked him. And he said, you're kidding me. I feel so much better. In the last while, I have not been feeling, and this was his words, so bleh as I have been before. He said, I still have my anxious symptoms and my um, my." obsessive thoughts but they don't bother me as much I don't feel so yucky and gross in my mood I don't feel so angry and I don't feel so sad and so when he said that I knew because I already knew probably a year ago that gluten would make a difference in him but I knew that that was attributed to gluten and so that in itself was amazing that this five-year-old boy who is no was no different than any other five-year-old boy he, he could care less about gluten-free and not gluten-free but he noticed such a difference and it was even more affirming because he didn't know and he didn't know what to attribute it to except that he was feeling yeah pretty his mood was feeling so much better so as we went on we we became stricter about gluten-free but I would still, again, not wanting to be one of those parents, would send him off to a birthday party and he would say, what should I do about um, the gluten? They're going to have hot dogs with buns or, or, you know, hamburgers without buns. And so I would say, go ahead and eat it. You know, we'll, we won't be too extreme when we're at home. We eat gluten free. But it got to a point where I would send him out to a birthday party. He'd come home. He'd maybe be fine for a while. I would, honest to goodness, completely forget about it, was not even looking for any symptoms. Um, and then maybe a day later, he would um, have an outburst and a mood thing and a, oh, I'm feeling so gross and depressed and why do I feel so yucky and blah, blah, blah. And I would initially be puzzled. And then he would say something that would tweak my memory because it was reminiscent of what he would describe in the past and it would click and I would realize it was the gluten that made you feel so bad. And this kind of went on for um, six more months about until my son on his own chose never to touch anything with gluten again, if at all possible because he recognized that every time he did, he felt so terrible after, and he quickly became self-monitoring, self-regulating. That, that, that's amazing. Number one, like what validation for you to actually have him acknowledge mm -hmm. how much better he felt when you sort of secretly, you know, el yeah. eliminated the gluten. But I think what's really interesting and important for our listeners, because food sensitivities are a very interesting kind of concept because with a bona fide allergy you eat a food and you have an immediate response so it's a, it's a rash it's a you know a tightening of the throat it's a whatever a shortness of breath with a food sensitivity it can take up to four days to actually manifest in the body so if you eat that gluten on Sunday you might not wake up with the headache or the cold sore or the excess phlegm and mucus until Tuesday or Wednesday so it's very difficult to attribute those symptoms to a food that you ate potentially three to four days earlier. That is very difficult for people to wrap their heads around. So really good in terms of you guys being able to actually recognize that, that the, the behavior that Luke was exhibiting on Tuesday may have been due to the hot dog or the cake or whatever that he ate on the Sunday. So well, how does he then, when he goes out to a, a function and he's gluten-free, what, what, what does he do? Does he just refuse to eat the bun? Does he take his own gluten-free buns with him? Like, how does he say no to cake? Like, how does he do this? So again, because he feels so terrible when he has gluten now and he recognizes it, he, and he loves his cakes and breads but he would choose to go without as opposed to have any cake or anything like that 
And yes, we do travel with a purse full of gluten-free <laughs> products. So I do often, when we go on a road trip, it's like second nature for me to stick a gluten-free bun or buns in my purse um, so that he can have a hamburger. Um, yeah, so. And, and, and the world's much more gluten-friendly these days as well. Well, it is. Because yeah. I was going to say, if you started this 10 years ago, it was a huge learning curve for you as well yeah. to, you know figure out what products he could eat and, and he couldn't eat. And I'm, I'm guessing it's getting easier now. So at home, obviously your family eats gluten-free. Have you learned to, you know, cook and bake in ways that are gluten-free as well? Yes, I have. I We are primarily gluten-free. We, My husband and I, I probably more so will restrict myself. My husband, not as much. But yes, absolutely, I make delicious chocolate chip oatmeal cookies. I should bring you some. Yes. Um, that are gluten-free. And we buy, again, I know there's, uh, I'm not sure about oatmeal. I do buy gluten-free oatmeal, but I know that that is a bit, um, for some extreme, I guess, celiacs may be tough to, to eat. Um, but yeah, no, baking, I have learned to bake gluten-free. I, when we go out, like I said, I bring my own products. Um, shopping has become not a problem. I know where to get the good gluten-free bread. Um, yeah, a lot of good gluten-free recipes. There so, is, as you say, it's much easier, um, I think, currently to eat specialized diets, whether you're avoiding gluten, whether you're avoiding dairy, whether you're avoiding even refined sugars. Um, the products now are available to us quite readily, mm -hmm. especially in a bigger city. Given the results that you know Luke has experienced over the years, tell me just about the buy-in from your family. Did they express surprise? Did they sort of come around to recognizing that, wow, maybe there was something to do with the diet? So again, I think varying degrees. My son, a hundred or sorry, my my husband, my son, of course, hundred percent. My husband, a hundred percent, recognizes. Um, my parents, uh, yes, they are respectful of it, and they, I think, believe me. Though I'm not sure they one hundred percent buy in, but extremely respectful of it. And I still, you know, get the sometimes you get that. Um, that feeling or that eye roll, I guess, from somewhere along the way, whether it's at a restaurant and people think you're just being fussy or um, fancy. Uh, but, um, you know, and some friends, most though, are quite, quite respectful and quite um, understanding. And yes, because my family has seen the difference and because they've seen our struggle, uh, they are happy for us that we've found something that helps him um, and, you know, and, and other diet changes as well, I think, that have contributed as well to his, um, yeah, his overall health, for sure. Yeah, I think it's a difficult concept for people to wrap their heads around that food can actually have such a powerful impact on not only our physical health, but our mental health. Mm -hmm. And when, when you consider that, that the brain and the body are not separate entities, what we eat is going to impact brain function, physical function. Um, but I, I don't think that's a connection yet that is widely accepted and appreciated. I'm curious to know how your family doctor responded or if there was even a discussion around how much improvement you saw in Luke's behavior after eliminating gluten. Was that even a, a conversation? So I absolutely love my family doctor and she's been very supportive, but I have learned to avoid some of these conversations with her. Um, so she would not, her and I have learned, um, she, she's got a, a good respect for, for what I have chosen to do. Um, but I don't think that she believes it has made a difference um, or that diet makes a huge difference with mental health issues, although she acknowledges that it's good to eat healthy. I'm not sure that there is 
um, support that it would make such a significant difference. Interestingly, uh, Theo saw a psychologist for a while who was very supportive of the diet changes and did describe um, in simple terms the impact that the gut um, has in, in serotonin and, um, and how it makes sense that, that food impacts um, our brain. And I do also, just to kind of circle back to the, the book by Mark Hyman, um, and I know there's many like him and many books like that and um, many functional medicine doctors, but I really do think that that was one of the first books I read in spite of having read a lot of books even prior to that when my son was very young on um, how food impacts um, children's behaviors in various ways. Um, you know, there was lots of books even on autism and AD, ADD, ADHD, um, anxiety and how food impacted that. But for me, and I'm not saying it was the only one, but for me that was a book that married um, Western, traditional, widely accepted North American medical concepts with food as medicine and food as impacting and how our brain um, you know I often say in medicine it's like we have lopped the head off and put it over in a different section of the medical field and then we want to treat the rest of the body and we're willing to treat the rest of the body again I know there's still gaps there but we're willing to kind of treat the rest of the body as working together and then it's like the head got removed and we treat it so differently and so then hence we look at drugs that are directly related to um, impact on the brain and we look at um, psychotherapy which is our understanding of what goes on in the brain the talk therapy um, the thinking, the the emotions, we're okay with all of that, but we have kind of lopped off the head and removed it, but it's still attached to our body. And so to me, it stands to reason that the food and all of the, um, forgive my lack of medical terminology, but all of those um, those chain reactions that happen in our bodies related to our entire system, our blood system, our heart, the food we eat, our digestion, our stomach, that that is not only impacting our body, but it is also making its way somehow up to our head, up to our brain. And so I hope that the medical community um, continues along this line where they, they um, do their research on mental health based on, on the whole body system and that, that it doesn't get removed and separated in, our, in the medical field. Well said, well said, because um, the, it, it is, it, that's very, very true. We refer to the gut or the digestive tract as the second brain. We know that there are more serotonin and dopamine receptors in the gut than in the brain. You know, so why then are we constantly looking at the brain, as you mentioned, as a separate entity when it's really all one whole machine and we need to look at nourishing and feeding that whole body um, if we want to achieve health. So I'm glad Mark Hyman was able to sort of put that into a context that resonated for you and and made perfect sense, right? And, And I also hope that the medical community starts to appreciate those connections and I think it is becoming more and more accepted in 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 that respect so you've had some great success with eliminating gluten eliminating the food coloring eliminating some of those toxins and additives and I'd be curious to know if Luke has had any of those explosive anger outbursts since you've eliminated the gluten that you used to see um you know, pre-gluten-free. Um, free, pre so has that sort of disappeared for him now? It has disappeared, Patty, and only when he accidentally has gluten. Um, does he maybe a day or two later say, I feel a bit gross and, and um, again, there's certain phrasing that he used to use to describe how he felt and not until he uses one of those phrases to describe how he feels do does it trigger and we go back 
to that day, what did he have? Nothing gluten. What The day before, what did he have? Maybe nothing. The day before, what did he have? Ah, he was at so-and-so's place and they served a stew and lo and behold, I bet you they had gluten in that, right? So, um, yeah, but otherwise he uh, still has struggles with um, anxiety tendencies, OCD tendencies, uh, but he has not had that, um, what he so so wonderfully described when I first took him off, that he just felt so, so blah, and that feeling lifted, and he was left with his, and I wish I could remove the anxiety and the obsessive tendencies as well, but, um, but at least he's better able to cope with them, and he feels so much better. Yeah. I wonder how many children are out there whose parents have not yet made those connections and are eating gluten and food coloring and additives on a daily basis mm. and struggling significantly with whether it be low mood or anxiety or behavior that is atypical for them. And I wonder how many children are, are struggling that mm -hmm. way. I think the numbers could be staggering. Yeah, I agree, Patty. And with my work, I do see a lot of people uh, with varying um, grades of, of either themselves having mental health issues or their children struggling with issues. And it's interesting because I wouldn't say that with every one of them, I feel like you should look at your diet. And I'm not even saying, I suspect gluten is a big one for most people, um, or, for, or for a lot of people, but I, I, I know there's other diet changes too that can make huge differences and impact. Um, but it's interesting, when I meet with these people, I wouldn't say everyone, I automatically think you should make a diet change. But there are certain people, when they say, a certain set of or describe a certain set of mood issues or symptoms um, that there's something inside of me where I just clicks and I think you should get your diet um, looked at yeah yeah I, I think as, as you say there are a variety um, of consistent types of foods that are known as, you know, either very inflammatory or very allergenic or very, very hard on the system. Mm -hmm. And I often wonder if people could eliminate those, what improvements might they see in their health, not only physical, but also emotional and mental. Mm -hmm. So in addition to the things that we already discussed, I know you tried some other sort of maybe alternative things over the years, maybe some different supplements, some different dietary changes. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what that has looked like and what you have tried. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that I'm, I suspect my son would do better on is a dairy-free diet. We have drastically eliminated the dairy in our house, um, but I have not had the heart to remove it entirely in the sense of um, pizza is one of his favorite foods. So we choose, of course, a gluten-free pizza, but we are not a family who has three glasses of milk with every meal. Um, we would choose almond milk instead. And I, I feel like that is probably something that he would benefit from. Um, I have, similar to my gluten experiment, I have removed dairy from um, his diet from time to time. And noticed mild changes it's interesting so and i have also patty i've tried i've added probiotics um again with what i believe to be another slight improvement when i watch carefully i've added omega-3s vitamin d um so the gluten was quite a drastic improvement for my son the other things that I've just mentioned have been me watching him closely as I've added them or eliminated them mm -hmm. um, in, in whichever case is, is appropriate and noticed mild changes. I think I did, when I added a probiotic, I noticed a, a pretty, a, a, a change, a moderate change mm -hmm. for sure. The omega-3s not so much, but I have seen enough research on that to to believe that that's good for him anyway. Um, the dairy, like I said, I would love to eliminate. Sugar, 
I, uh, I think, Patty, that uh, we will do a sugar um, elimination experiment at some point. Again, I, I'm still seeing some things with my son that I think um, eliminating sugar, we might see some other improvements as well. Um, we've tried to do that over time. We don't have a ton of sugar in our house, but he's now a 17-year-old boy. They like to go out for Slurpees and, um, you know, other stuff. So I don't Absolutely. like him to live a, a completely... He can't live like a monk, yeah. you know, and, and it's so unfortunate that our entire society seems to be geared towards sugar-laden foods, um, packaged, processed foods, sort of dead food that is devoid of any nutrients, and it's on every commercial on TV, it's on every street corner. We are obsessed with these kinds of things. So how, as a 17-year-old, do you eat this you know, real, um, almost exclusionary diet. It's very challenging. And so I, I think I don't want parents to get um, freaked out by, by this conversation because, you know what, I, I truly believe that there's a balance, right? And, and that balance might be 70-30. And that's what I like to advocate. 70% of the time, you follow a whole foods diet. You eat foods with ingredients that you can pronounce. So that means mm -hmm. it's not likely coming out of a box or mm -hmm. a container. Um, and then 30% of the time, you you live your life and you have that slurpee or you you know hang out with your friends and you have that gluten-free pizza or whatever that might be um, but there are options available and I think as you said you know it's gotten easier over the years to do these kinds of things mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think dairy is something that's very interesting because we know that dairy is the number one allergen in the world mm -hmm. um, you know so limiting just even the drinking of the milk um, you know, even that's a really good step towards, you know, reducing whatever inflammatory process that may um, produce. So, you know, it sounds like you guys have done a lot of good things in an environment that is not always open, welcome, receptive, um, and, and willing to sort of respect um, your choices. So you mentioned Luke is 17 now. And he's doing well how does he view his diet does he rebel against it does he recognize the value in it what what are his thoughts now as he's getting older he absolutely sees the value in it and he does not that i'm aware of feel at all like it's a hardship again i think that because he feels so much better it is um yeah, it's just been a lifesaver for him, really. He feels so much better. And I think it's also made him more motivated. If I did suggest, um, you know, why don't we try going without sugar for a couple of weeks and see if that makes a difference, you know, he'd be all on board for that. But I also like what you said, Patty, about, um, yeah, I guess just being, as parents, being kind to ourselves. And as a 17-year-old kid, being kind to yourself and... and um, you know, doing your best, but uh, not being extreme when it's when it's unmanageable. So yeah, he's he's doing really well. He is completely aware of how his diet impacts his health, and um, he's still a typical teenage boy where he would. Um, well, I guess I'm not sure if all other teenage boys are like this, but he would surely rather have um, the big hunk of meat on his plate than the um, vegetables, but knows that he has to eat them too, because also I do believe that it's not just about us eliminating gluten from my son's diet and replacing it with a bunch of gluten-free breads and products, um, that it's, it's more about um, adding all of, like you said, the whole foods, and real food and so that has been something I'm I'm guess I'm fortunate to actually enjoy cooking a little bit I mean I don't like the day-to-day -day dinners but that's probably been a big change for me as well um, when my son got sick was that I decided that I would make real food and so we rarely uh, go through the drive-through I've got lots of go-to 
recipes and foods that we can eat that are quick but still real and so I do believe that it's not just about me eliminating the gluten which I think has made a huge impact on my son but it's and the additives as well so we do try that principle too where we can um, sort of identify each food and where it came from and there's not a lot of extra products in anything that we eat and you know it's interesting even over the years I've talked to several teachers and they've often um, mentioned that you know show me the kid that has I don't know the processed food lunch like the lunchables and the the Oscar Mayer package yeah. of yeah. yeah and I'll show you the kid that's got the behavior issues as well or the yeah so um and and I don't mean to paint that with such a broad brush either because I know that that's not fair um, and certainly my son's eating his fair share of hot dogs and, 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 and fast food as well. It's not about that at all. Um, but I just think it's a, it's interesting that I, that we have allowed our food to become so, um, and, and that we've made cooking and, and, and meal time a hassle instead of actually bringing it back to actually a, 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 an enjoyable time with family, um, cooking, you know, it's okay if it takes me. Um, I don't always have the time to spend half an hour to an hour on a meal, but that's okay too. I think that, you know, we could go a long ways in actually bringing back um, the idea that, that, it, that spending time making food and eating food is a good thing. That, and that it's critical to, yeah. or it's a, it's a foundation for the family unit. Um, it's interesting you say that in my last podcast interview with John Morris, he had mentioned, uh, so John's also a chef as well mm. as a nutritional consultant, and he had mentioned that um, so many people he talks to say, well, I don't have time to cook. Mm-hmm. But he's fond of saying, as am I, is that if you don't take time now to mm-hmm. cook and to eat well and to nourish your body with you know, life-sustaining nutrients, you will need to take time later to be sick and unwell. So as you just said, why not take time now to um, enjoy the opportunity to perhaps cook with your children and to teach them about food and where that food comes from. There's such a disconnect now, I think, between kids and food and they, they believe you know, food comes from a box or from mm. a grocery store shelf and there's almost this you know, unrecognizable um, connection between the earth and, you know, real fruits and real vegetables and things that grow and, and that that's, that's what we should be feeding our bodies. So I thank you for bringing that um, sort of idea forward because, yeah, I think it's an important one that we have an opportunity to connect mm-hmm. over real food and instill in our kids this idea that food can actually nourish the body. Food is medicine. Food is medicine, and I think that for all the things that I've, I do for my son and all the effort I put in in all kinds of other areas, um, I have learned not to hate meal preparation. I have learned to enjoy that and view that as a way I can actually nourish my son and love my family. And it's not just me. My husband also makes meals as well. But yeah, I've chosen to kind of change my view of what meal making is. And again, I'm not saying that I am always loving every meal time that I have to make, but that shift has really helped me too to say, you know what, this time is not a waste of time. This is valuable time. It's time for me to um, do something nice for my family, do something nice for my son, um, enjoy the time, enjoy the smells, enjoy listening to music while I cook, right? So I think taking that meal time back and taking that meal preparation back and shifting my brain to think um, it is not a hassle to um, put in a roast chicken and um, make a special vegetable dish and a nice salad and you know I can enjoy those things in different ways um, and find ways to enjoy them and and not view that as a hassle absolutely so just really reframing how you're looking at this Mm -hmm. and how you're viewing this Mm -hmm. so if you had to give parents sort of that are listening um, one one or two tips around you know what you would suggest to them if they're seeing similar things in their kids what what would that be 
Mm. How would you empower well, them? I think you, you at the beginning you said something that I even as as having worked as a as a nurse many years ago, having been a mom, um, having been an aunt, having had friends who were moms. Trust your mother instincts, right? So if you regard and again, our doctors are wonderful, intelligent, educated people with lots of great advice. Um, but if you have a niggling that something um, isn't quite right or that you could supplement what they're doing, um, trust trust your instincts and um, your good smarts uh, to do what you think is best for your family and for your children. And um, I think the other thing is that I just really feel like nutrition, food, what we're putting into our kids' bodies is so important and it's so worth the effort and it's so worth the research. And so I just hope that parents, um, yeah, that they see the value of what we're putting into our bodies and that we kind of are able to get back to, um, a, you know, a better, a better diet and a better diet for our kids. And it's so worth the effort and of all the money that I have spent on my kid for specialized hockey skating lessons and um, co the coolest clothes and shoes and the best hockey stick, I feel like that, you know, what, what I feed him and the eating habits I've instilled and what he's been putting into his body in this early age of life is probably going to make a bigger difference than um, a lot of the other things I've been putting effort and money into. So, yeah. Those are good tips because, the as you just said, that the food and the diet and those really good principles that you've instilled, those are going to serve him for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So very, very good tips. I love that. So I am so grateful to Shelly for being here today and sharing her amazing journey with us. Thank you to everyone for listening, and I trust that Shelly's story has provided you with motivation to start paying more attention to the food your children are eating and whether that food is nourishing their bodies or potentially having a negative impact on their health. I think we can learn so much from Shelly's experience and really let it inspire us to take back our power regarding our children's health. Trust that mother's intuition. So be sure to check out my website at restoration-health.ca for more information and to sign up for my new vlog style newsletter. My wish for all of you is to live healthy ever after. Until next time, stay well.